Some of the topics in this episode are graphic in nature and may be disturbing to some listeners, especially children. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Nancy. I haven't seen you in so long. It's wonderful to reconnect with you. I am you. so happy to be here, and thank you for asking me to join you on this amazing podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. For our listeners, you know, we've been talking about obviously human trafficking and you and I go back to 2013, I believe, when we awarded you and your organization airline ambassadors. Can you tell our audience, or actually let me let me tell our audience why, you know, I love you so much. You know, in the trafficking industry, I when I first started learning about this, I and I'm sure you were just shocked to learn how many women and children were trafficked on commercial flights. So if I'm getting on, you know, I don't know, a flight on United from LA to Vancouver to go shoot Riverdale, I could be on the same flight as some girl that is being, or kid that's being held against their will, coming from Cambodia via LA and being dropped off in Canada to then be trafficked through Canada or some other country. And I, I was shocked to hear about that. And so when I met you and your organization, I was, beyond, beyond thrilled. Can you sort of tell our audience how you fill this much, much needed hole in combating trafficking, please? I had founded Airline Ambassadors back in 1997 mm -hmm. and to help vulnerable children worldwide. And we recruited flight attendants from all airlines to escort children in need and hand deliver aid to orphans throughout the world. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anything about human trafficking right. until 2009, when my girlfriend, Deborah Sigmund, called me and told me about human trafficking. I said, this is outrageous. And I said, come and uh, join us in Miami at a mission coordinator training for all my mission coordinators. What's we a mission coordinator, mission. if you don't mind asking? We have humanitarian missions every month. And we take a team of individuals who hand deliver aid to children in need. Oh, I got it. Okay. So Deborah came down there and talked to us. And I said, well, we have got to get involved. So the next month, we had a mission going to Cambodia. Mm -hmm. And I sent a book about human trafficking to the girls on the mission. I said, you guys got to be aware. And sure enough, they met a little girl that had been trafficked three years old abandoned underneath a house with no food, no clothes, and no hair. And uh, they ended up saving that girl, getting her to a foster home. We're still in touch with her. She's doing great. And we named her Somne, meaning lucky. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I went on the next mission uh, the following month to Cambodia and, I saw, and Thailand, and I saw the night markets right. where uh, the girls are being sold into slavery. And I thought, I'm the president of Airline Ambassadors. We have to get involved. So again, remember, every month we have humanitarian missions. I invited Deb Siegman to join us on our mission in August of, of 2009 to go to the Dominican Republic, right. where we're hand-delivering toys for children. And she talked to all of us about human trafficking. We promised each other to be aware on flights out. Amazingly, on two flights out of the DR, oh, yeah. and two more the following month, two different, four different airlines, we correctly identified trafficking, and our first tip led to the bust of a pornography ring in Boston City, 86 children. That's, first of all, that's amazing. It's phenomenal. 
I want to tell our audience, because when, when I do my events and you came and spoke, it, what it was, it was so empowering for the audience because people are like, look, I, I'm hearing about this horrific situation. I'm hearing about kids being trafficked on you know, American Airlines, United Airlines, Delta Airlines, all these different airlines right under our noses. How can I help? What can I do? And what you did was fill that void by telling us the, the training that you do for the entire crew, for, for stewardesses, for the ticket counters. Can you explain a little bit, if we go back a little bit, what is it that you saw on that flight from the Dominican Republic back that yeah. made you identify a victim of human trafficking as opposed to just a normal person, you know, flying home? Right. I'll give you the story of the uh, part of our team that left the DR. They were on JetBlue. Mm-hmm. And they, and Sridhar, one of the Indian guys that was on the a part of the team, saw a little, we had all promised each other to notice trafficking, potential trafficking. And he saw a little girl crying and he pretended to drop his passport and to talk to the little girl. Why are you crying, honey? And the man she was standing with, an American man, spoke for her, one of the indicators of trafficking. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, she's crying because she's leaving her friends. So don't worry about her. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw that the woman that was with the man, and it was a, woman, a little boy and a little girl, was up getting the tickets. And Shredar came back and said, let's watch these guys. When the lady got the tickets, some customs agents came out to meet them and they were high-fiving each other like, yeah, these are the kids, right? These are the kids. Mm. And I wasn't part of that team, but I don't know, six to eight people were on that flight. It got in line right behind these children. The man left. And the woman took over. Oh, before the man left, he he said, "Where?" And Sridhar said, "Where are you going?" And he said, "I'm. We're going to New York." And and it's oh, that'll be a nice vacation. You got to take them to Canal Street. They'll mm. enjoy that. I, I, and the man said, "I live in New York City, but I've never heard of that." And Sridhar knew he was lying. Mm-hmm. And so we knew something was wrong. So then, when the customs agents came and got the kids, they were handed off to the woman. One of the other members of our team talked to the woman. Where are you going? Different story, Boston. So changing stories is another indicator of trafficking. Mm-hmm. Children under the control of someone else mm-hmm. that didn't appear to be their parents. The team was very upset. They told the flight attendants, check this out. The kids in 12A, B, and C with a woman uh, might maybe being trafficked. And the girl, the flight attendant came back and said, there's bruises on the little girl's forearm. Maybe you're right, but we have no idea what to do. Right. And so we told them, you tell the pilot to radio ahead to New York. That flight was going to New York and um, through to Boston. And he did, they did. We got in line behind the children and the woman in New York and they went through customs and the customs agent said, hey, did you get our message? And they said, yes, we got it. But this appears to be an inside job. The people in the Dominican Republic were involved. There's nothing wrong with their paperwork. We can't arrest them, but we're gonna send an undercover agent to follow them. They did to Boston, on to Boston, and that's where they discovered the pornography ring. Wow. So, and saved 86 children. That's amazing. That's just one indicator. But I can give you so many stories. So later, after identifying trafficking on four different airlines, I went to Congressman Smith, author of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, yep. and said, help me get the word to airlines. I've told my own airline, but they're not, don't seem to 
be paying any attention. And he said yes, and we did a whole briefing to airlines in July of 2010. Mm -hmm. That was great. We had written a revision but uh, that goes in the manuals of flight attendant. No one really did anything. They weren't incorporating it into training. Mm -hmm. So we thought, oh no, we have to do it ourselves. So we developed the first industry-specific training on human trafficking awareness, and we've implemented that 130 times in countries all over the world in airports, in Latin, in Latin America, in Asia, in, in Eastern Europe, and all over. And with very much success, we were so lucky that ultimately our work led to the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2016 that mandates training for flight attendants and later it was pilots. Um, and so now it's part of their curriculum. So we are so happy. I mean, it's huge. Just so, so everyone really gets this. There was no training for flight attendants or FAA personnel at all until Nancy, you, a flight attendant yourself, took yeah. over this cause, went to Congress, yeah. and made them pass a law that makes it oh mandatory for everyone in the FAA, the flight, flight, like everything having to do with flights, so everyone knows what that means, has to have mandatory training on human trafficking so they can spot victims that are being trafficked on commercial airlines. That's huge, huge. And what's powerful about our training is that we utilize survivors. So we have, it's peer to peer. Mm -hmm. So we have airline personnel, most of them flight attendants and survivors that speak. And that's what rivets the uh, audience when they hear about the survivors. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you, okay, so for those of our audience that are you know, hearing about this stuff for the first time, how can they, you know, I know you, you've put together, and just so my audience knows, and we'll put these up with graphics on the screen, there will be, these are the signs, and you can, you'll be able to download these or get them for yourself. I know you have luggage tags and all those, and we gave them away at my, at my event. But so my audience understands, what are some of the more common things that they can look for when they're traveling on flights for vacation or work or for whatever right. of how to handle this and then what can they do about it? Anyone can that travels frequently, a businessman, a housewife, a, uh, a sports team, can be a part of stopping this trafficking mm -hmm. if they're willing to take action and be observant. Right. So what you're going to look for is a child or a person traveling under the control of another, like the example I gave you. Uh, if they're frightened, ashamed, or nervous, if they're uh, dressed inappropriately, if they uh, appear drugged, many times they are drugged, uh, if they eat ravenously, have they haven't eaten, because a lot of these victims don't get food. It, it, that's unusual in the airplane food, but really it's following your gut. It's having the, the sense that something's wrong. And when we've, in our experience, every single person that's felt that nudge from inside, something wasn't right. Oh, we had one case, this was a few years after we started doing training, where all eight flight attendants on 767 coming from Rome to Chicago were sure that an American man was trafficking a Romanian girl. He had tried to go in the bathroom with her several times, 
said he owned her, it was his property, and they told the pilots to please call ahead. Showed them in their manual, because the pilots have it in their manual also. Mm -hmm. The pilots said, well, this, the pilots actually weren't trained. They had it in their manual, but they, did, they, weren't, they didn't talk about this during training. And the pilots said, no, I'm going to get that man in a lot of trouble. I'm not going to uh, report this. And the little girl went away with this man and was trafficked. There's another story going to Costa Rica. There's a, gr a, a girl who felt something was wrong. She, oh, well, they were sitting coach, an older man and a younger girl, and she brought her a piece of cheesecake from first class trying to talk to her more. Because as flight attendants, we have the opportunity to ask friendly questions, to interact with passengers and ask questions. And sure enough, this man, they called ahead. In this case, they did call ahead to Costa Rica. The man was trafficking the girl, and they saved her life. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I'll never forget when you came to Hollywood and you came and spoke to, you know, my, my peers in the industry, and they were blown away. Like, they still call me to this day to tell me, oh, I know what to look for now. Like, you, we created yeah. a sort of army of people that know what to look for. So we're, we're going we're gonna to really talk about exactly. that. But one of the things that you taught me was what to look for. You mentioned, you mentioned it a little bit, dressed inappropriately. So I remember at that event, you told the story about, you know, let's say there's a, a man or an adult traveling with a younger kid. And the yeah. younger kid, you know, being, being a mom, I travel with Rain all the time, right? So I've been ring, bringing Rain on flights since she was six weeks old. And I was always actually, to be honest, upset at the airline because they wouldn't let me, you know, you can only have like one personal bag and like one carry-on. And I'm like, okay, but I have a baby in my lap. Yeah. I need more than just one personal <laughs> item. I have a diaper bag. I have bottles that I need and I have food and I have, you know, whatever I needed. And as Rain got older, even, you know, any, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight, I've got an arsenal for her. She's got a backpack with toys in it, she's got her iPad, she's got her carry-on, she's got a pillow if it's a long flight. You're a good mother. I've got, thank you. I've got, you know, an extra sweater for her or something like that because when you travel with kids, you have to keep those kids entertained. And so I know that yeah. intimately because of how much I've traveled. And one of the things that you pointed out was that if an adult is traveling with a kid and that kid has nothing, or that adult doesn't yeah. have an extra bag, a coat, a backpack, something for the kids. That's a huge sign. So I was yes. picturing an adult traveling with those two young kids that you just explained with nothing for entertainment for the kids yeah. except for an envelope with their information on it. It's a huge sign, and it's yes. one of the things that I look for whenever I travel for Riverdale for or for work anytime. I'm like, do they have do they have things? It's very, it's a vital thing, and it's something that I think most people wouldn't put together unless you're a parent, having traveled with kids a lot. You know what to do. You know, you mentioned this flight in Costa Rica where you were, the flight attendants were able to call ahead, and they were able to go yes. and talk to, talk to the girl, like, where are you going? Can you, can you sort of talk us through what they noticed, if you, if you know personally, or you yourself, what you've notice traveling and how how do you even approach talking to them is it through 
giving them the food? Do you want an extra cookie or that that sort of thing? Can you yes. enlighten us a little bit on that? Yeah, well, it's easy to interact because as a flight attendant, that's part of your job to interact. In this particular case, the Costa Rica case, the man was trying to go in the bathroom with the girl and she said, you can't go. And he said, I own her. Oof. Same he thing as it. the one from the, the he said, actually wow. said that. And she said, no, you can't. So she started watching. She knew something was wrong. But I'll give you another very interesting case Please. that happened to one of our survivor trainers. Um, what is a survivor uh, she trainer? Was American. She's a survivor of human trafficking and she was hired by American Airlines. And she's an incredible trainer, a riveting speaker. Wonderful. Anyway, Donna Hubbard. Donna was on a flight to, I think it was Dominican Republic, something in Caribbean. Coming back were two people with a young boy who appeared very, very sick. And the one boy said, uh, the, she said, what can I do for this boy? And the parents did not seem concerned at all. Mm. Later, she asked one, she got the parents separated and they gave a different name for the child and different ages. Donna knew something was truly off. We now think they were smuggling this boy with drugs inside his body. Oh. Anyway, Donna no knew something was off in her gut and she told the pilots to radio ahead. They radioed ahead. They went through customs, Donna didn't see because she had another flight. But the next day she came back through customs and she said, what about that boy I reported? And the customs agent said, I can't tell, those people were detained. And this was something that a customs agent would never have picked up. A flight attendant picked it up because she had time with them. He said, I'm not allowed to tell you what happened, but good call. Okay, thank you, first of all. So, so it's funny because as you're talking, I'm seeing that possibly there's a, another leg of this, which is customs, doesn't seem to yeah. be as educated as the airline industry thinks to what you all are doing. Is that true? Uh, yeah, they have some training. Some of them do. They all have training now because of the Department of Homeland Security. But there are other issues. Yeah, they, first of all, they need to be better trained mm -hmm. and they need to listen to people like flight attendants that have had time with the, the victim like and pay attention. They, I, I think they could be better trained. At, but one of the problems is, let, this came up uh, a month ago. I had a trafficking incident that somebody reported. A girl was seeing a trafficker get on a flight with somebody. She wasn't on the same flight. And she took a picture. Mm. Unbelievably, the Department of Homeland Security, Missing and Exploited Children, and the National Human Trafficking Hotline cannot take pictures. And they... Um, were unable to get this vital intelligence to the next uh, airport where the guy could have been uh, followed or arrested. And that we had actually solved that problem. So as we went along, we developed a tip line app, which is a quick way to look up the numbers that you're supposed to call, the DHS hotline, the National Human Trafficking Hotline, all of those, and it would fully encrypt and protect the, the person, send, and they could also send a picture. Mm, amazing. But somehow we couldn't get the, the global, we had Interpol coordinating a database of information, uh, and, but that never got up and ran, unfortunately. One of the big issues in human trafficking is that information is not shared. Yes. Because of the problem with the lack of response of these other national hotlines, most of the airports we trained in at the end 
or say call our local number. But again, information is not shared. And we had developed a, actually a solution for that by developing tip line app number three, which would be co controlled by an Interpol database, getting the, uh, the pictures of the potential traffickers into that database. First of all, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, so this app, is this something that, you know, what do we do for the average traveler who's, who's listening to this podcast, who has now, right. you know, well, downloaded the tips and what to do? What can the average traveler do if they see something that they're not sure? Obviously, they can t tell the, the airline stewardess, but is there something that they can do themselves? Can they call this tip line? Can they download this app? Can they report yes. it directly? What else? I'll send to you the, the tip, the connections to the tip line app. It's very easy on Google or iTunes to download it with all the major numbers. And uh, But the other thing we say is if you see something in your gut, recognize it and report it. Tell somebody, tell a law enforcement agent. If you're at an airport, tell the flight attendant, the pilot, tell law enforcement. Or worse comes to worse, call 911. 911 is trained. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest thing for someone to do. Thank you. Thank you. And then Nancy. And the main thing is it'll save a life. It actually will save a life. When you think hey, maybe you're wrong, you're embarrassed to turn it in, but actually you're at, the FAA has told us more often than not, so is the FBI, please turn in all these tips. We need them. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can you talk about, there was a case, I think it's one of the only ones that I could actually find that was publicized so that other people could read about the work that Airline Ambassadors does. Um, but Sheila Frederick, a member of Airline Ambassadors, saved a young teenage girl from human trafficking on Alaska Airlines. Can you tell that story? What happened? Where, where, how did this happen? Right, well, Shalia actually became one of our trainers. Um, she, she told a riveting story and I connected it to NBC and the whole thing went viral. She had seen a girl on one of her, her flights who seemed um, nervous and ashamed, uh, very nervous, traveling with a, a controlling companion. And she left a pad of paper in the, in the bathroom uh, with, she said, write, write a note if you need help. And the, and the girl wrote a note on that, on that uh, thing and, and she needed help and she ended up saving the girl. So it's a beautiful story. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And you know, if, if yeah. that flight attendant hadn't been trained, didn't know what to look for, she wouldn't know what to do. Like, I think that is the biggest right. sort of hole that I am finding is that, you know, I'm struggling with people just to even understand that it's in the United States and that it's in every, every city, um, let alone having them know what to look for or what they can do about it. And it's a struggle because right. when you do, as you know, you educate people about it, they're, they're appropriately horrified, but they want to do something. And so what I love about right. your organization is you give people something to do, a way that they can be cause over a situation that they see that just doesn't, doesn't seem, seem right. Right, right, right. There's another story out of DCA. I used to live in Washington, DC. Yes. And uh, one of the ticket agents told me this, a man come running up to the front ticket counter and he said, I think my daughter 
12-year-old Maria uh, Gomez has booked a ticket to go to Honduras on American Airlines, through American Airlines Miami. And she said, because my credit card was charged and my wife's passport is gone. So the wife had the same name, Maria Gomez. So the ticket agent said, well, sir, you know, it's kind of busy right now, but I'll call the gate. And they said, is there a Maria Gomez sitting there? And the gate agent said, yeah, there's a little girl in the arms of an older man. And so she said, I think this might be passport fraud. And so they put it on hold. They, they, she called her up to the desk. They said, Maria Gomez, come up to the desk here. There's, uh, we think you might be traveling on a false passport. The, the father came in. They ended up saving that little girl. She didn't go. And she had no luggage. She had checked the trafficker, had taught her to steal her dad's uh, credit card to buy the ticket and to uh, how to get through customs by checking in at the kiosk. And it turned in that in those days, they really weren't that equipped. Right. The girl was saved. They, they ended up catching her before she got on the plane. But the trafficker went on unapprehended. And again, no one had a picture. No one could know right. on the other side who, who was. Yeah, I love the name. I love the name of your organization, Airline Ambassadors. You know, it, yeah. it's one of the things that, that I really, really hope to do with this podcast and with people that are listening. I want them to become ambassadors. I, I want them to take the knowledge right. that they're getting from experts in this field and take it out and be able to do something about that and feel like empowered. So it's just, it's a very appropriately, appropriately named and I need to give you a shout out, <laughs> a shout out for that. And also so the awful idea to be an ambassador of goodwill, exactly. wherever you are at, at home or in the world, bringing forth the highest part of yourself, which puts you in touch with your soul, exactly. which uh, brings joy automatically. Can you tell me how many, how many airlines or airline personnel do you think airline ambassadors have trained? Uh, we trained, uh, was it 4,000 airline personnel directly, and 20 of us became trainers. Mm. So uh, that's only the beginning. Right. That's only the ones we trained in the airlines, but then we did many. We did 130 uh, trainings at airports, and that uh, number's in the hundreds of thousands of oh. people we've reached with the message. The thing is, it's live training, though, and it's not scalable because um, it's not like having an online class, but it also it's not as moving. Our classes were very, very moving, especially because of the survivor stories. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so Nancy, I'm curious, when you first had this idea of training airline personnel, I'm assuming you went to yeah. your own airline first. How did that go over like hi guys i want to train you on how to spot sex trafficking because it's happening on our airline did they believe you were they welcoming what what happened well they did uh they were interested uh they they said yeah 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 see i knew as a flight attendant there was infrastructure in place to train every every flight crew or all air flight pilots and flight attendants are trained annually and it wouldn't cost them any money to, to do this. They did do an article in American Way about, uh, which is the American in-flight magazine, about saving Somme. Mm. Uh, I can send you a copy of that article. Yes, um, that was back in 2009. 
But that's about all they did. And then after our briefing with Congressman Smith, American did it. I had written up a revision for them that they could put in the flight attendant manual and they copied that. They did that, but they didn't really emphasize it. And to, to be sure, now they, it has to be included in, in training for flight attendants, but they could still emphasize it more. There's really only three slides in the uh, recurrent training for uh, flight attendants and pilots. And it's, it could be emphasized more. We need people to get, become passionate about this issue. That's why we keep getting stories of real survivors that are on planes. Mm -hmm. one, one girl that I, I helped save in, um, in Washington, D.C., she had come and she actually stayed at my house. She had been trafficked uh, and she came from Los Angeles. She told me that she had told, she had been on planes with many traffickers and she had told several different flight attendants and they, they weren't trained well enough and that tra her trafficker had heard her talking to the flight attendant and he took her in and burned her with cigarettes and she showed me all the cigarette burns on her body and then she became afraid to talk. Right. So you have to notice like if there's wounds or scars on somebody's body as well. Like the, the original one that were the flight attendant saw bruises on the little girl's body. Yeah. When did you, I think you mentioned this, but when did you first approach the airlines and go, hey, I, I, we need to do something about this? What year was that? 2009. Two, 2009 oh, was right when we saved Zonay. And then right afterwards, we correctly identified trafficking on American, Delta, JetBlue, and US Air. In those days, US Air was still around. Right. Um, and I knew it was something we had to do. And they didn't want to do much. They didn't move, uh, except for that article in American Way, which is on our website. And then uh, then they did implement the revision that I recommended after our, our uh, briefing with Congressman Smith. They included a little more. Did they not believe you that this was prevalent on commercial airlines? What was their reasoning? Because back in 2009, they certainly weren't you didn't hear about it. I remember even our event 2013, you still weren't hearing about it. Now I feel like we're hearing about trafficking. We're seeing documentaries. I'm seeing it in movies and TV and, and it's changed and I'm so grateful for that. But I know for sure back in 2009, people didn't know about it. Did they believe you that this was a problem? They didn't really didn't get on it. The truth is, I hate to say this, that you gotta give them a financial incentive. Mm. So Congressman Smith was working on having um, a program where unless a airline had adopted um, policies on human trafficking, that they wouldn't get a government contract. That's the kind of thing that would, wow. would definitely move. Just a shout out. I hate to say it, that's financial. I know people do care at the highest level, but we need to keep putting the word out. This is a human rights issue. It's the number one human rights issue of our time. Nancy, since you first started putting that training in, um, how has the training... And even since COVID. Exactly. Oh, that's a whole other yeah. thing, and we should talk about that. Um, but since trafficking has changed so much so fast, how has the training changed, or has it changed since you first started? Well, see, that's what became so difficult. We gave 130 presentations, trainings, and in every case, we rewrote the training based on where we were, if we were in Bucharest, Romania, it's a whole different story. If we were in um, Jakarta, it's a different story, or Thailand. So we adapted the training with local stories. And so 
it, it changes every time we give it. The, the basis of it is the same. It's a, the uh, overview on the background on human trafficking and then the story of the victim, impact on the victim given by the survivor, and then what you can do about it. Because for every flight attendant that's trained, they may see a thousand people a week. That's 4,000 people uh, a month. That's, it, it keeps doubling and it, it, it uh, is a very powerful thing to do to train people that see lots of others because then you're educating eyes and ears and they can discern the, the indicators of human trafficking and report them immediately. 100%. And fast action is necessary when you're moving on in transportation. Mm -hmm. Trafficker will walk right out that door. That's right. With their victim, unless you stop yep. them. It's one thing I like I you know I said in the beginning of this podcast, but I'm so glad that you came on here, first of all, to to talk about what you do. But it's it's one of those things where, you know, the first time you and I met and you talked about it, I, I never stopped. I never stopped looking. It's hard once you know. Yeah. Like I've also noticed maybe you have you have noticed, but once I educate like one person on trafficking, all of a sudden, like it's inevitable that person starts sending me every article that they've seen, everything like I see it everywhere <laughs> now, right? Doesn't that happen to you? That happens yeah, it's like definitely. it's sort of like it's the wildest thing and I love it, but it's sort of like Unless you know what to look for, you don't see it. And then once you know what to look for, you right. see it everywhere. And it's literally like, I literally have to tell people like, please don't send me everything. I know, I already know. And I can't like just, you know, it's inevitable. So the fact that, that like I hope everyone listening to this podcast when they get on a plane will check with the flight attendant. Like, are you, are you trained? Do you know this? And, and if not, that they will look themselves and know what to look for. Thank yeah, you so exactly. much for, for being on and, and for joining us today and coming on my podcast. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing, Marisol. I mean, going behind the scenes and um, luring in these traffickers. It was very exciting to see what you've been doing and using your your ability to reach the public um, in a way to really support, uh, like I said, the number one human rights issue of our time. So on behalf of my entire foundation, thank you so much for, for always fighting the good fight and for doing what you do.